Almost 20 years after the Beatles went their separate ways, a new band would rise from the club's UK music scene to dominate American and British audiences. Through the late 70s and 80s, U2 would grow to be arguably the biggest name in modern music, selling out arenas across the world. Getting their start as a group of schoolboys in Ireland, playing in classrooms after school, U2 released their first album, Boy, in 1980, which hit number one in the UK charts. Their success only grew with each new album, releasing Boy, October, War, The Unforgettable Fire, Joshua Tree, all in one decade, delivering hit after hit of their iconic U2 sound. Comprised of the instantly recognizable vocals of lead singer Bono, the consistent yet engaging drums of Larry Mullen, paired with the charisma of bass player Adam Clayton and the soulful and catchy guitar of The Edge, U2 emerged from the post-punk band era of the 70s as the forerunners of a new turn in rock and roll. The song for today is I Will Follow, the first track off their debut album. I Will Follow presents a look into the early and sometimes chaotic version of the U2 sound, giving us a commentary and lament on the lead singer Bono's loss of his mother. I'm Gavin Listro on I've Got Ox. This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. This is I Will Follow by U2. Welcome back to I've Got Ox on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. I'm Gavin Listro, and that was I Will Follow by U2 off the album Boy. With me, as always, I have Bella and Allie. And today we have a special treat all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. We have my mother. Yes! Yay! My cheerleader, (laughs) as we found out earlier, Mrs. Listro. Hello. Um, She's here as the U2 resident Aficionado. Aficionado, yes. I so. thought I was here just because I was your mom and you like me. Yeah, it, it just so happened that we were doing a YouTube episode. Okay. And all moms love you all too. All moms love you, you too. You know, I made that comment earlier at the conference and I had a woman my age kind of look at me and she said, well, you might just want to say most moms like oh, you wow. too. And we I have, thought... Some moms are anti you And I was wondering if she had kids taste. actually. So, I don't yeah. know. Maybe she's not really a mom. I don't know. This can be perfect. <laughs> we all have our flaws. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. So that was... I Will Follow, and that was the first song off that album, mm-hmm. and I've had mixed feelings about that song for a long time, about like what the message was, and I, for some reason, I told you this, Allie, the other day, that it's about bandmates getting mad at each other, but mm-hmm. I did a little research, and it's not about that at all, actually. It's about love, and it's about Ooh. specifically agape, which uh. Bono refers to as unconditional kind of love that knows no limits. You know, when someone... Like the line is, um, I will follow, you walk away, I will follow. And just being able to return um, to someone despite harming them or hurting them, and they're still going to love you. So that's um, referring to, I think, a little bit of their Christian faith. But also it's about the, his mother dying as a child. When he was 15, she died. So so are you saying that the love that God has for us is agape love is the same love that moms have for their kids? It's, I think, it references it. <laughs> but I wouldn't say just it's checking. similar because... Yeah, how do you connect those topics? I'm um, kind of curious. I never knew what that song was about. Um, I think the, how he expressed it was that no matter what you do to a mother, she's always going to love you. Like, uh, um, I mean, I've lied to my mom a lot of times before about a lot of things, and she still loves me and still is here today. So that's a little bit. Obviously, it's not completely unconditional because we're human and we have our limits. Um, and I think sometimes we struggle to forgive, unlike 
maybe a, a God does, but maybe, um, yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know but, if that's the right qualifier in that statement, but yes. Yeah. So that's kind of, I think where they, they come together is that there's an ability to forgive pretty much all circumstances and all transgressions against moms for the most part. Um, obviously we're human and we have issues, but that's kind of the think what the message they were going for. And most of this album and a lot of their songs is dealing is Bono, the lead singer, dealing with his struggles of losing his mom at such an early age and kind of almost resentment too against her that she wasn't involved in his life as much as he wanted her to be. Before and she died? Yeah, okay. both of his parents. And so working through the tragedy of losing a mother, but also not ha- actually having something to lose as much as he would have liked to mm-hmm. um, yeah. because she wasn't really there. I think it's really important to remember how young Bono was when he yeah. wrote this and how young the... I mean. These were just guys in high school. They didn't know a whole lot. They were trying to figure it out, and they got to figure it out through music. It just happened that their music got really famous. Yeah. it's That's the best kind of music, though. Yeah. How did they get kind of picked up and put in the public eye? Um, I think the reason I referenced the Beatles in the intro is it was very similar to that, where they just started playing in clubs, and back then club scenes were a lot more vibrant than they are today. Yeah. Um, so you would just start a band. You'd go to the club. You'd play. They'd have you back if the crowd liked you, and scouts basically for the record label will go around and they'd find this band like oh they're really people really like them and they'd pick them up and i think that's kind of how Mm -hmm. they got their start a manager picked them up and they eventually got their album recorded um at the time they were doing something that was actually quite different because the scene in in the clubs in ireland and in england at that time was very punk Mm -hmm. and um that's why having uh watched the video when they first started, that was one of Larry Mullen's big concerns. Um, he's the drummer. Larry Mullen Jr. was very concerned that they were going to be some crazy punk band, and he didn't want to be part of a punk band. And so the Rightfully look of... Rightfully so, because drummers play the same thing. Yeah, well, and, and the look of confusion and kind of like, what are you guys doing? And his face during that video, I just found... Um, it's kind of like when you learn more about the author of a, of, of a piece of literature or anything. Yeah. You just Everything they do makes more sense. So yeah. knowing where they're coming from and seeing them on there... Um, he, he was really annoyed and very concerned that they would just be some other punk band, which was not the direction they were going in. Um, yeah. So I think that was very interesting. Okay. So, Allie, yes. you were, in a way, the blind listener. You've never listened to the song probably the same amount of times we have. No. But you're kind of new to you, too. So basically, does this, like, their music is very influential. So does it remind mm-hmm. you of anything? Do you see any artists nowadays kind of copying their style? And also, how much do you think of Bono and his kind of very eccentric, unique voice shapes their their sound. Well, I listened to what this album when I think we first met and we were talking about doing this show and yeah. you're like, oh, you got to start with this. Oh, yeah. And so I very loosely listened, but it was n- I was never raised with it. My background was much more 70s. So mm. as soon as it starts to get 80s is where I kind of lose it. And the 80s stuff that I do like is more alternative and punk and things like yeah. that. So U2 was always the band who I just kind of associated with that band that one time put their album on everybody's phone. Yeah. And <laughs> that was kind of all I had as a background. That uh, was a bad bad sales. To any band managers yeah. listening right now, don't put that your stuff awful. on sound. That was like. just rough. It was just strange. Um, I think it was very off-putting for people. Mm. And so culturally, I mean, Bono is one of those names that you always hear. But it was never a band that I ever did a deep dive into. And mm. personally... Yeah. You t- I can only take so much of the vocal sometimes. That's just I, personally. That's understandable, yeah. Um, but I do, there's almost, even watching that music video, there's almost a dramaticism to you two that I find very endearing. Like yeah. his voice is very dramatic, but in a way that 
is very likable. And mm. I think they do as much as they don't want to be associated with punk bands. I think us outside of the vocals, they do have a very kind of punk sound, especially with the drums. Um, it reminds me of a lot of like the clash is sort of coming to mind. Yeah. But then you have these vocals and I think there's there's a richness and a deepness in the vocals that sets them apart from maybe their competitors at the time. Yeah, they're more of anthems than yeah. like rager mm -hmm. club songs, which I think is really especially when they get to Joshua Tree, which that that kind of mm. pinnacle album of their of, of the 80s for them. It's a lot more soulful and it feels like. I don't know, more of a choir than someone just screaming on yeah. a stage. So, okay. So mom, Mrs. Listro, seeing that you grew up in the eighties, mm -hmm. as I've been told, yeah. I wasn't there to witness it, but yeah. I, I heard it happened. Um, what, how did people receive them? Right. I would have to say, um, again, you, you know, from my experience that I didn't get to listen to lots of pop music as a child growing up, but I do remember my introduction to U2 and the Joshua Tree album in 1987, it was my sister's older boyfriend, my older sister's boyfriend, who was a huge U2 fan. He was a drummer. So Larry Mullen Jr. was his, you know, his idol and everyone yeah. wanted to be Larry Mullen. And so I, um, I remember listening to this album and at first it was, I wasn't really a huge fan of it other than the fact that it was contraband in my house. And so I got <laughs> to listen to this thing and it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And true at the time, especially when they came out and knowing this now that that the punk scene that was going on, they, they do have kind of a clash, at least, you know, rhythm section to it, but they also weren't the new wave that was coming through either. They mm. were something that was completely different. And so, um, the Joshua tree, when it came out in 87 was completely different. It was very different than a lot of the, the synth eighties things or yeah, just the gosh, pop. the Kylie Minogue type stuff going on out there. It was, I mean, there, <laughs> it was very polarizing of what was going on in music in the eighties. And I was not, not only did I not listen to pop music in, in my house, but I also hated pop music and that's not what I would listen to. And there was this new thing and, um, their, their explosion, either you hated them or you loved them. Mm, I mean, that was, okay. it was, they, they still were pretty polarizing at the time and I really liked them a lot and I, I grew to like them more and more as I actually listened to the music. But I have to say there is, um, the moment of the Joshua tree was something I think most people in their forties probably remember when it came out and the impact yeah. and where it was in their life. But then as they moved on and you had things like Octane Baby come out and you're just like, what the heck yeah. is this? I think they're phenomenal. I, I mean, I don't think that they're gods of, of rock and roll, but if, if I don't know what mood, mood I'm in, I don't know what I want to listen to, or just if I were to hear, I, I will follow begin off in the distance. It just puts me in a place of just peace. Yeah. And I just, it's so familiar and it's just, it's not like, it's not something that draws you into one huge emotion or another. It's something that is just, it's, it's, that makes sense. It's I don't peaceful. know how to explain it. It's, it's not even the said it's like, oh, it's not peaceful. It's not like you're listening to Sarah McLaughlin and you're just like floating away in bubbles. <laughs> it's, it's something that just, it touches for me. It just, it resonates yeah. well with me. And I, I, if it's the Desert Island album, that if I had to be stuck on a desert island and listen to the same thing over and over and over again, there's a lot of better things to listen to, I think, than the Joshua Tree album. But it would probably be that album. And okay. I love, I have to say, Boy is probably my favorite album because yeah. it's so raw and so yeah. much more of who they are. I don't know if people listening along with us, if they heard the end of that song, it just, it doesn't really have an ending. It just kind of goes, 
it stumbles and falls over, and then that's the end. Everything kind of just stops at the end of that song, which is it shows like the kind of the pent up energy mm-hmm. in their music that it, they can only keep together for so long for only three minutes, and then it falls apart. And it's amazing you're saying keeping together and staying together for so long. I cannot think of another band. And there's a they're, they're growing. They're people. My gosh, they started when they were like 14. And you read something in your in your intro about Adam Clayton. Yeah, being soulful and catch. Um, he had charisma. The charisma, yeah. The charisma. That's all he had. That's all he had because Adam Clayton was got into the band because he owned a bass guitar and he had a cool um, sheepskin yeah. vest he and looked, an afro. He looked, he looked cool. Yeah. That is the only reason he was in the band. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been in there. And he couldn't play bass, but he learned to play bass. And I mean, they've got some pretty good bass lines in in their songs. So I just think it's funny when you step back and you look at a band of why people are where they are and. Um, and then now this influence that they have on culture, my gosh, how many, <laughs> um, how many people have imitated them and, and try to be like them and yeah. Coldplay. I, I, I mean, yeah. um, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, we, we are definitely okay with <laughs> hating it. Allie, would you like to do your bit on Coldplay? I, okay. My thing about Coldplay is I just find them eerily uncreative. Okay. And <laughs> I think in the way we're talking about you two and having such a discography, over such a long period of time. Right now, I think we're in a time, whether it's TikTok, whether it's whatever, where it's things need to be so fast and fit into the algorithm. Mm. And we don't value longevity. And so right mm-hmm. now, I think we're seeing all these new artists and they're making all this new music. But bands like you 2 it's sort of like, you know, who's going to stand the test of time? Like these mm-hmm. guys are full-grown adults and have been doing this their entire lives and to be able to even if the music isn't particularly great or resonates with their old audience being able to continue a career like that and still maintain like a sense Mm -hmm. of dignity and respect for the group I think that that's what you too even if you're a fan or not like they're still revered yeah and And I don't see that happening with other bands like no yeah maybe Uh I mean you two's at at this point I'm technically like a third generation yeah and like Uh, they've definitely still grab audiences well, I have I have to tell the story and I laugh. I'm trying to remember how old you were when this happened. But oh um you were little. No, no, this isn't about you. This is um about my nephew. Um no, it's my yeah, it's kind of like my nephew. It's my sister's nephew, not really my nephew, but 15 years ago at least. And he came into the kitchen and he's all excited. He's like, "Ah, oh, gotta tell you about this new awesome band that just album just came out." I'm like, "Oh, cool, who is it?" He's like, "You too." And I I, I was probably very rude and just started laughing. And I was like, new wow. band, eh? Yeah, <laughs> really new, awesome, you know. Um, but he thought it was brand new. And, you know, this kid is in his late 20s, early 30s now, and he thought you 2 was new at the time. And I'm thinking, oh, That's nope. funny. Bella, Far did from you it. grow up with you two? I think I remember you talking about that. Yeah, yeah. you have a mom. Her mom is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you have In a fact, mom. <laughs> my mother and Mrs. Listro are friends, and it's funny because they are a lot alike. And I think probably, <coughs> I think probably, I remember Gavin and I were at a track meet or something. We were talking with one of our friends about how our moms love you too. And she was like, my mom doesn't love you too. And we're like, what? <laughs> that, that's a thing. That's a thing people don't <laughs> like. And oh. Yeah, I definitely had a very similar, yeah. my mom loves you too. We were we went to, um, a couple years ago, we went to Ireland and they had this U2 museum there. And my wow. mom was like, we have to go. Like, she's so into them. And one of my, some of my earliest memories, like I can s- close my eyes i'm in a playpen and there's sunday bloody sunday <laughs> yes. that's like, amazing one of my earliest probably, movies, so yeah yeah i definitely like 
for me, it's a a lot of it is a nostalgia thing. And I do really like their music. Like I never got super into it, but for me it was like I miss home or I miss my mom and I'm going to listen to you two because that's her. Like and that's like my childhood is just you, you know two. there's a lot of music that your mom has introduced you to and there's a lot of music I've introduced our kids to but if you two is what you put on to think of your mom I think that's pretty yeah. awesome <laughs> I think it's between you two the cure and um, the Smiths are probably yeah, the three well, big ones that's true but where the the the, the mental place that the, the cure can bring you yeah. and kind of the mental place that the Smiths can bring you I would prefer that thoughts of your mom bring you to a place that you two would bring you I'm just gonna say that. Not that I don't love I, the I, other I, bands, I but I know where that. I was when I learned about mm-hmm. them and I decided to love them and it wasn't necessarily a good mental place. I'm That's glad right. that you have happy memories. That's That's right. I, my foundation is you too. And mm-hmm. <laughs> my dad used to come in in the morning to wake me up for school and I had like a little Alexa thing in my room. He'd be like, Alexa, play The Cure or play you too. And it was always up super loud because the volume was broken. Nice. And so I'd wake up 5.30 a.m. and it's like, walk away, walk away. <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh my gosh. But, yeah. Oh, happy memories. Good memories. Yes. <laughs> Man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great though that people's, especially with music that stands the test of time like this, can transcend generations and kind of be something that people can share with their parents. I think music is something that's too often not shared between generations, mm-hmm. especially nowadays with how drastically music has changed with the rap music and parents don't want anything to do with that. And mm-hmm. something as beautiful as music, it's sad that there's such a divide between generations, which I think you two has the ability to change that. So yeah. I will point out that my mom didn't like you two when I was listening to it <laughs> way back when, but I can think of still, Colony House though. Yeah. That's we can still band. share, we still shared fifties music and whatnot, yes. and you can still share that with your grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There are, there's some essay where it talks about a huge aspect of love being able to share something through a third thing and being mm. able to kind of look at art or something. Yeah. And it talked about it in Shared a romantic experience sense. almost. But when you're connecting, it's like a bridge mm. between yeah. two psyches. That's great. All thanks to you yeah. too. All right. So that this has been I've Got Ox on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. You've been listening along with Bella Gavin, Allie, and Gavin's mom. My mom, (laughs) Mrs. Leestro. So we'll see you next week and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye.